The reading for the day comes from Acts 17, 22 to 28. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so that they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In God, we live, move, and exist. As some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of your pastors here at Zao. We're in the middle of a series called Act Out. And it's where we're actually looking at the book of Acts, which is a tiny little sliver of the Bible that describes the early church, the early followers of Jesus, and how they were compelled to change their lives and act out into the world their faith. We're looking to them for tips on what it means to be the modern church in a totally different context, but with the same fiery, passionate faith that is compelling us to change the world around us. And so when we look at the overarching themes of the book of Acts and what those first believers did, we see one thing that they do more than anything else according to scripture, and that is add to their numbers. (laughs) Basically what that means is that they were really vocal in spreading the word about the good news. They were telling everyone who would listen, anyone who they would meet about the message of Jesus that had changed their lives. And there is this this great celebration of the way that people heard that and were transformed and joined with them in the project of changing the world and changing their hearts, being transformed individually and communally and collectively to see the world as a different place, full of potential and hope and possibility. And it's really beautiful. And when we think about that in modern terms, The word that we have for it is evangelism. And that is a word that I'm going to guess a lot of people at Zao don't feel so awesome about. Something that we cringe at, something that um, maybe we feel uncomfortable with, maybe something that's actually kind of triggering or wounding. I would love to hear folks in comments talk about their associations with the word evangelism. And I'm going to be honest with you. Today is a sermon about evangelism. And believe me, I, I can't get out of it. It's not, I, I wasn't just like, hey, you know what? I would love to talk to a bunch of folks who have been harmed by the church about evangelism. No. But when we read the scriptures and look to the early church to understand how our faith could change our lives and how it compels us to act in the world, the idea of spreading the word 
the big W word, Jesus, and the gospel, which is to say the good news that Jesus shared with us, well, that's pretty central. It's totally unavoidable, and it's something that we need to talk about. But here we get this beautiful story of Paul evangelizing in Athens. And I really love it because I think that it debunks and undermines a lot of the modern garbage that we have attached to evangelism. So I can't see your comments yet, but I'm going to guess that folks have associations with door knocking or tracks or, heaven forbid, the sinner's prayer. For those of you who are not familiar with the sinner's prayer, good. Um, And also, the story behind that is basically people running around pressuring one another to give their lives to Jesus by saying the right combination of words Um, and asking for forgiveness, and that's their ticket into heaven. And in fact, most of evangelism in our modern context is about this ticket to heaven. It's this whole idea of bypassing the kingdom here on earth to get to the other side without really doing any of the labor that Jesus calls us to. It's about saying, hey, I'm in the in club because I said the right things to the right people, and now I'm, you guessed it, saved. But that wasn't really what was happening in Athens or with the early church. And here we have this beautiful story of Paul evangelizing in a fundamentally different way. See, he's in this big city where he's observing that there is a lot of religious practice. There are Um, statues to pagan gods everywhere. Um, Religious life is really incorporated into the life of the community. And scripture says that Paul was walking around town and carefully observing objects of worship and noting uh, how religious the community is. And he says that. He leads with that. He says, I see that you are very religious in every way. And from Paul, that is an affirmation. That's not a critique. That's not a you're doing it wrong. That's not a, you know, you're missing something or certainly not a you're going to burn in hell. That's just, wow, look how spiritual you are. That's amazing. I see that you're so devoted. I see that you're longing after God. I see that you want to be in relationship with the divine. How cool. And while I was wandering, I saw an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Well, listen, I know who that God is. Let me tell that to you. Let me tell you about this God that you don't know that I do. And then he goes on to talk about the God of the universe as we know God to talk about the saving love of Jesus, not in this ticket to heaven, but in this total transforming way that compels us to do all the other things that we see in Acts, like give up our possessions and pool in together and show up for one another and pray together and eat together and build community and live life in radically different ways, opposed to empire, but open to the possibilities of communalism and liberation. This is the story that Paul tells. And again, he doesn't begin by saying, you're going to hell, or look how wrong you are, or your pagan gods disgust me. He starts by saying, look at that. Look at that thing in you that is searching. How beautiful. Let me tell you what this means to me. 
when I see this thing that you're doing that you have some questions about, here's how I answer those questions. You see, true evangelism, sharing the gospel, is not about asking people to disbelieve what they already experience to be true. It's about offering a new depth of meaning where there are questions, where there's curiosity. And frankly, there are a lot of people who have questions and curiosities. We think of evangelism in our modern culture as replacing someone's belief sets, but really it is expanding, deepening, offering a breadth of invitation into the divine, into community, into meaning that someone didn't have before the conversation started. There is a practice in Christianity and in many religions called syncretism. And syncretism is this idea that rather than having to one-for-one replace, here's what you did believe, here's now what you believe instead, It's about blending and combining, about saying, hey, you actually don't have to um, start from scratch here. You've got some good things going for you already, and I'd like to see if I can yes and that, if I can add some more meaning to your life because it's given me so much meaning. We actually see this in Acts, not only in this story with Paul in the town square, but also in general, throughout Acts and the early letters to the church, in this big debate about whether Gentiles, that is, non-Jewish people, had to convert to Judaism in order to follow Jesus. There's a big debate. Do I need to stop being a Gentile? Do I need to start being Jewish? Do I need to have a circumcision as an adult? Do I need to completely reorient my relationship to my culture? And the answer is a resounding No. No, you don't need to do that. Jesus actually meets you where you are and values where you are. That there is beauty and power and love in the ways that you have connected to community and to the divine, into the ways that you have already made meaning for yourself. And here's this next level. Here's this additional angle on it. Let me tell you about Jesus and his teachings and see if that brings you into this vision with me and we can build something together. This is evangelism. And we see that throughout the history of Christianity in ways that we don't really question anymore and we take for granted because it's not a problem. One of the most common and uh, often overlooked, except by uh, folks who are really paying close attention, is Easter. Easter has a lot of imagery associated with it. There is, of course, the cross and the empty tomb and also the Easter bunny, which was at Jesus' resurrection, and the egg hunt that they had at the tomb site. Wait a minute. No. So actually, some of those things got added together because there were pagan spiritual communities who were already celebrating springtime, who were celebrating fertility and new life, who were celebrating the idea that new life can break through from death or from the um, cold and fallow winter into spring. And so Christians encountered these practices in communities and said, yes, and have we got a new life story for you. There's this guy named Jesus. And that went over so well that those things became blended. 
And instead of staying with a particular community, actually a lot of Christianity adopted, not with any theological significance, but with cultural practice, Easter bunny and egg hunts. Very classic symbols of fertility and springtime. Because we were able to see that the meanings layered onto one another meant even more together. They didn't need to be replaced. There are some more modern invitations into syncretism, into layering of meaning. Not taking away a path to to the divine and replacing it with the one that we know works, but encountering someone's path to the, the divine. Saying, here's another path I know that works. What richness can we have together? I see this most often now in practices like tarot. There are some Christians who would have us believe that tarot is a dark form of communicating with the devil. But I actually take people's word for it when they say, this is a really deeply grounding spiritual practice, and rather than separating me from Jesus, perhaps it's brought me closer. One of the first people I met in Milwaukee when I first came here was a woman named Jen Cintron. And Jen is a tarot reader. And Jen loves Jesus. When we first met, and she was doing readings for people, including for me, and I told her that I was a Christian pastor, she got really excited. She started telling me about an idea she had, something she wanted to write, a blog post she eventually did write entitled, I'm a tarot reader, and Jesus is cool with it. And I thought that was really beautiful, that rather than saying, the ways that have given me meaning need to be thrown out the window because I've encountered something else that gives me meaning, that actually all of this can work together, that we can say, hey, paths to the divine are beautiful, that we can look around and say how religious we are as a culture, how much meaning we find in tarot or astrology or meditation or yoga or any number of things that a lot of Christians get very frightened of. And instead of saying, these things are wrong because I don't know where they come from, saying, wow, you're searching for meaning. Me too. Here's where I've found meaning. And if we're truly faithful, there can be an exchange. And maybe we find new paths to the divine as well that don't have to undermine, but actually can undergird our relationship with Jesus. I love this. I love this connection that people can have between practices and traditions and cultures, all bringing us closer to the divine. And that's because in my heart, I am an evangelical. I truly am. And I don't mean that in that kind of like crummy political way. I don't mean that in the kind of white savior way or the Jesus that we deny way. I mean that in the most literal sense of the world word. I love the gospel. I love the good news. I love telling people about it. I love connecting with people about it. I love it when meaning unlocks and opens up across different traditions. I love spreading the word. I love adding to the number of people who are seeking after God in some way, who have some common language and maybe common history or common text to jump off from, to say, Let's do this. Let's build the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. 
when I started Zao with this dream of having a community that was Jesus-rooted, justice-centered, and radically inclusive, I knew that there was invitation in that, that that was about spreading the word of Jesus at the root, growing into the work of justice to create a radically inclusive community and world. I also knew that there were a lot of people who might be bought into some part of that already, but probably not all of it. In particular, I had encountered in my life people who knew Jesus, who had a personal relationship with God, but hadn't ever really worked from those roots into the labor of justice centering in their lives. I also knew tons of people who labored for justice with their whole being faithfully, but didn't really root themselves in Jesus or any kind of spirituality. In this world, I do see a lot of people connected to one or the other. And I find it heartbreaking because not only do I believe that we shouldn't have to choose, but I believe that as a Christian, I can't faithfully choose between either my relationship with the divine and the cosmos and eternity or my relationship to justice here and now on the ground. You see, the kingdom that Jesus talks about is multi-layered. The kingdom that we talk about here that we are really, really good at talking about at Zao is that justice-centered particularity. This is the what do we want, when do we want it, now! We want justice now! This is the urgency of the kingdom that calls us into action and into the streets. This is the systems change. This is the radical solidarity. It's bigger than us, but it is particular to this moment. It is movement energy. It is urgent, it is now, and it is localized to whatever is happening. But that's one layer of the kingdom as Jesus describes it. Jesus also describes the kingdom as eternal, as cosmic, as divine and unfolding and ancient. This is the aspect of kingdom that gives meaning to the work we do in the streets day in, day out. Gives meaning to our lives beyond any particular lifetime, but connected to the whole of the universe. This version of the kingdom is what gives us hope for the future. It helps us to see what we are working for, not just here and now, but forever. It is rooted in a relationship with Jesus, in understanding that the divine of the universe, the God who made us, who breathed life into us, is personal and eternal. And it's about saying, hey, the God of all things who was there at the beginning and will be there at the end and knows no beginning or end, knows me and cares and connects me to everything that ever was and everything that will be to come. This is the kingdom which is whole, which is healed. This is the sense that we are part of something bigger, of our, bigger than ourselves, but also bigger than this moment. To follow Jesus faithfully means to pursue both aspects of the kingdom with our whole being. 
to those connected to the particular, to the vision of justice. We need to root down into our relationship with the divine to be fueled and nourished and healed, connected to our ancestors and to those generations that are yet to come. We need to understand the big picture, be healed by it, and be excited by it as we do our labor. And to those who are connected to that big cosmic picture, maybe there's an additional call to get real and gritty and dirty about right now. See, I know people who know a personal Jesus, but don't seem to know that call to justice. Don't seem to understand the kingdom building now because they are so concerned about that eternal ticket. So they have that big cosmic meaning. They have the love and be loved message of, of all eternity. They have the where I come from and what am I worth. I see them worship Jesus. They are very religious. And now they ask, what would Jesus do? And I proclaim to you what Jesus would do. Preach good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's freedom. This is part of the call of evangelism. To invite those who have found that spiritual depth into the present moment to live out their faith as a centered justice life. And on the whole, Zhao's pretty good at this. Zhao is building these muscles for public witness around justice. The practical love of God as it plays out here and now in our streets, with our neighbor, in this lifetime. We are invigorated to speak to the religious and non-religious alike about the call to the justice we see in the kingdom. That kingdom here and now. But this work is a dual invitation. Because just as I know people who have that personal relationship with Jesus, but have not yet operationalized it into their work in the kingdom now, I also know so many proclaiming the vision of a kingdom here on earth, fighting for justice, acting with love and perseverance and self-sacrifice, speaking prophetic truths, challenging systems of power, casting the mighty down from their thrones, but also saying, there's something missing in my life, or feeling so burnt out and drained that they don't think that they can be in the fight for much longer or placing so much hope and energy into the here and now that when the battle becomes unbearable or victory seems too far off, the work for justice becomes untenable. Now, there are a lot of people, including many progressive activists, who find spiritual meaning outside of Christianity. But there are many more who struggle to find meaning and healing at all even when they are doing incredible work to heal the world. These are the folks who are living as God's ambassadors, hands and feet in the world, enacting the kingdom here and now, but disconnected from the kingdom of eternity that fuels them and nourishes them. 
If Zhao is to emulate the early church, to spread the good news of the gospel, we are called to do so in many ways. Alongside that proclamation of justice here and now, which, let's be honest, is a little less loaded for some of us, we are also called to spread the gospel of that deep, eternal, cosmic meaning of relationship to God, of relationship or invitation to relationship with God in Jesus, if folks are interested and open, to say, this is how I make meaning. I see that you're making meaning too. Can we yes and together? Can we iterate together? Can we build on one another's beliefs and passions and hopes for the world to come? Can I tell you, the God that I know, that I see unproclaimed, but witnessed through the work that you do in the world. Jesus knew that we needed both, the right now and the ever after. The vision for the kingdom that Jesus casts makes it clear that we actually can't achieve any particular fight for justice without an eternal hope and a grounding in the love of God. There was a time in my before, before pastoring years that I was a community organizer and I worked with churches. I had a job organizing people who were in church communities around issues of local justice. But personally, outside of my job, I organized a lot with secular leftists. And my secular leftist friends and comrades had a lot of skepticism <laughs> about my job and my faith. And they were basically like, why faith communities? Like, why even bother with the church? And I would explain from a very practical standpoint that faith communities have historically played an enormous role in social movements. I would explain the mechanics of it, that there's a lot of existing resourcing in a gathered community with shared values that already has an infrastructure and leadership and material resources, it's a good place to start mobilizing. But honestly, there is so much more. The spiritual depth that it takes to stay in the fight is enormous. A fight for justice that has gone on since long before we were born and will continue well after we die. It's hard. It's hard to keep geared up for that. So how do you keep stamina in an effort that may move a fraction of an inch over the course of a lifetime? And if you're unlucky, may move in the wrong direction. We do that through grounding in eternity. We do that through the trust that we have that God is at work. We do that through the vision cast at the resurrection that God has already won, that the victory has been claimed, that systems of death are defeated, and that God's timeline is long, but we are invited to participate. We do this work under the belief that, as King said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And we believe that because of the victory that we see claimed in the gospel of Jesus. This is the belief 
that God has already declared victory for liberation. And in glimpsing that, through the resurrection, through the teachings, through kingdom lived here and now, we can see and believe that the powers of death can be overcome, are overcome by God's love, and that our invitation is into the work that God is already doing. And frankly, God will do that work with or without us. But blessed are those who catch that fire of God and labor to bring it into being little by little through their very lives. Now, if that didn't convince any of my stauncher materialist friends, I would simply say this. It takes a lot of spiritual grounding to be beaten in the streets by the cops and still show up the next day to keep demanding justice. We need to know where we come from. We need to be rooted in hope and grace and the promise of liberation that extends beyond our moment in history, but to encompass all of reality. We need the vision of a world fully healed. We need the promise that death is not the end, that life prevails so that we can labor for the things that are worth it in the world. The surest path I know, though there are many, but the surest path I know to that root, to that certainty, is Jesus. And the knowledge I have of the love of Jesus has made everything else I do possible. Because let's be real, justice work aside, sometimes it's just hard to get up in the morning. But the love of God, the promise that death does not have the final say, the communion we get with the saints, with the ancestors, the communion that we get with the God who is living and breathing, that is what fuels us. In that same sermon that Paul gives, explaining who that unknown God is, Paul says, it is in God that we live and move and have our being. This is what fuels us, not only for the fight, but for the play, and for the joy, and for the laughter, and for everything that is worth it. It is in God that we live and move and have our being. So how do we find it within us to live out this call to spread this news? It begins in us. It begins in finding our own roots, in understanding why we do what we do, why we take to the streets, why we engage in that fight on social media, even though it feels hard, why we get out of bed at all in the morning, when sometimes it's really difficult. And if we are still searching for meaning, we can look to one another as we hold, as a collective, as a community, I see how very earnest you are in your search for meaning. Let me tell you where my meaning comes from, from Jesus, from the God of the universe, the God of the kingdom, the God of justice, the God who loves you, the God who gave up everything just to be a little closer to you. That is where my meaning comes from. And so we must do the work of connecting all of these things together to say we are in the streets because the God of the universe loves us so much that we can do nothing else. 
to move through our lives knowing that it is in God that we live and move and have our being. And once we can do this, once we can start to make those connections for ourselves, all we need to do is open our mouths. Start making those connections publicly. I know, I know it is hard, it feels impossibly hard, but so is everything else about the gospel, so just add this to the list. But truly living our lives, seeking after the kingdom, and not being able to shut up about it, that's discipleship. And we don't have to do it in a way that takes away from anyone else's truth or spirituality or joy or path to God. In fact, we're supposed to build on that. We're supposed to look at that with awe and wonder and learn from it and say, yes, and here's what I've got to add to this party. Does it offer any new meaning to you? I want to challenge you to make this really practical, to engage two people over the next week in your life in some way. It can be subtle, it can be really direct, but to talk to them about spirituality. You can do that by inviting someone to come watch Zao with you, or by sending someone a service, or a song, or a sermon that meant something to you. Or you can invite them into your practice. I know some of you, some of you are doing various practices for Lent, for instance. Is there someone outside of your usual Zao sphere that you can invite to participate in that with you? because maybe they'll find some meaning they're looking for too. This is the call, to spread the word, to be so overflowing with this grounding of love that we can't help but talk about it, never in a way that demeans others, always in a way that invites others into deeper meaning. We can do it. It is the heart of the gospel that the good news should not be contained or hidden under a bushel or locked away or held secret in our hearts, but should be shared freely with anyone who wants to hear it. Will you pray with me? God, give us courage and hope to be bold internally to begin with, God, and then more and more increasingly in your love flowing out into the world and into our relationships. God, ground us in your love. Help us remember why we labor for the world that we dream of, that it is you who gave us that vision, and that it is you that gives us hope that it is possible and promised. Help us to know that so fully that it freely flows from our lips to any and all who need to hear it. Amen.